It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. is a blue shoots up through the stony ground there's no room good morning and welcome to get rich flow this is your money school for financial winners here we explore strategies to help you prosper we look at the big picture and then develop plans plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals get rich flow gives you solid financial strategies Strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, certified financial planner and president of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. We're securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Oh, good morning. Is this going to be another rainy weekend? Oh, baby. You know, I guess we're supposed to get some rain today. It's supposed to be wonderful tomorrow. But at least it'll be warm. The spring weather has warmed up. All we have to do now is to schedule the rain for the weekends so that we can have the weekend to ourselves and the good weather. Then we can get outside and enjoy our lawn and garden on the weekends. But... Even with the showers, we can still plan for the barbecues if we can fit them in between the showers. The important thing is to have some fun time outside this weekend. It's beautiful out there, and it's drying up. (laughs) If it does rain today, I hope it doesn't rain too much because we finally got the the law to the point where you can really walk on it and uh, it, it doesn't squish anymore. It's beautiful out there. You're missing a lot if you don't enjoy it. So I, I this week I put out some oranges, uh, hopefully to attract the, the Baltimore Orioles. I saw one this week, but uh, I haven't seen them since then. Maybe they'll they'll come back for the oranges. And as we relax this weekend, maybe we can work on our financial plans just to make sure we're on track to help us meet our goals. Now this week. Global equity markets were mixed. In the U.S., the three major stock indices were down for the week, again, for the sixth week in a row. While in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was up. While in the European Union, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. In Asia, 
Japan's Nikkei 225 is down, as well as uh, China's Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's Hang Seng. Uh, they were all down. On Friday, the three major stock indices closed Friday at the Dow Jones, <coughs> closed at 32,196.66. So it was down 2.14% for the week. The Standard & Poor 500 closed down at 4,023.89, and it was down 2.41% for the week. And the NASDAQ composite uh, closed at 11,805.0, down 2.8% for the week. So basically, the the three indices have fallen for the last, basically for the last six weeks, and we we basically lost about $10 trillion in the 18 weeks that, uh, you know, since the start of the year. So... Uh, the equity markets have been moving steadily downward since January 5th. That's, uh, that's after the Federal Reserve released the minutes of their uh, December Federal Open Market Committee meeting. And the, me- the <clears throat> minutes of that meeting, uh, they, put, they laid out a plan for conquering inflation uh, that the investor community saw the a definite possibility that the Federal Reserve's action could lead to a recession, and that introduced a lot of fear and uncertainty on Wall Street. But the economy basically has good fundamentals. The economy is in good shape, with the households and companies having uh, strong balance sheets. So what we're seeing is investors and and consumers and everybody in between is looking to the Federal Reserve to get the inflation beast under control. And the Federal Reserve is committed basically to use all their tools available to uh, uh, to uh, get this operation in shape. And uh, basically, the investors are, are confronting the, the issues that have not been seen in decades as inflation continues to hover near a four-decade high. Uh, many investors believe a recession is increasingly likely as the Federal Reserve attempts to get inflation under control. Some investors have begun to discount the idea that the Federal Reserve could engineer a soft landing. I disagree with that, but that's, you know, a soft landing where inflation falls, and but the employment uh, stays up there and the economy keeps growing. That would be a soft landing. A lot of investors, myself included, remain optimistic in the long run and think that the uh, equity markets will rebound, hopefully by the end of the year. The optimism is based upon a fairly upbeat earnings report and uh, forward guidance from the first quarter. More than three-quarters of the uh, standard of four or 500 companies have, have uh, bested their earnings expectations. And two-thirds of them have have beat their uh, uh, revenue expectations. So the first quarter earnings review, uh, it'll be over soon, but it's mostly over. I mean, probably about 98% of the companies have turned in their numbers. And the uh, the standard of poor companies' earnings 
are expected to grow about 9% over the first quarter earnings of last year. And basically for 2022, the earnings are expected to grow about 10%. So what you see in there is that what's the Federal Reserve going to do? And uh, the Federal Reserve looks at this situation as a problem of uh, too much demand for goods and services and basically too much demand for labor. And basically the solution is to increase the federal funds rate or overnight rate uh, by one-half percent or 50 basis points. The same thing. They're going to, they introduced a uh, boosted up a half a percent in May, and then they uh, given every indication that they're going to also increase it a half a percent in June and July so that the upper limit of the federal funds rate would be about uh, 2% before the September Federal Open Market Committee meeting. And then after from the uh, September meeting on, there'll be September, October, November, there's three more meetings uh, Federal Open Market Committee meetings before the end of the year. The expectation is that they'll rise uh, one quarter of a percent at each meeting so that they'll end the year at uh, the upper limit of the federal funds rate would be 2.75%. And then they'll continue to increase the rates, you know, in 2023. That's a long way off. So You'll have to see where they're going and what their accomplishments have been so far. In addition to raising the federal funds rate, the Federal Reserve plans to uh, allow their uh, treasury bonds and their mortgage-backed securities on their balance sheet to roll off as they mature. And uh, so whenever what they've been doing so far, the Federal Reserve has about close to nine trillion dollars of treasury bonds as well as mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie on its balance sheet. And what they're going to do is, as they, and what they've been doing, is they just roll them over and keep rolling them over. Now now they're going to roll them off so that when they do mature, uh, turn them in, get the cash, return the cash to the treasury. And, uh, in June, they expect to sell uh, a limit of $30 billion in Treasury uh, bonds and $17.5 billion in uh, mortgage-backed securities. The same thing in July, the same thing in August. And so they'll be selling, for those three months, they'll be selling basically $47.5 billion of bonds each month. And then in September, they're going to jump that up to uh, $95 billion, uh, selling $95 billion a month and continue that on. Uh, so in September, it'll jump up to uh, $60 billion in treasuries and $35 billion in uh, mortgage-backed securities. And uh, <clears throat> all of this is focused on reducing the demand uh, once the demand is, is comes down then the supply should be able to catch up 
and inflation should start to go down. Uh, that would be a difficult enough job, but today's, uh, today's world, our inflation is also being driven by external sources. You know, you, you, I think everybody remembers the, uh, the oil crisis uh, during the 70s where the uh, OPEC generally just basically shut off our oil and the price of oil increased. Well, uh, this time we've got these external uh, forces that work that are uh, input into our inflation and basically inflation all around the world. One of them is the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and uh, uh, that has uh, turned the wheat and corn markets upside down. And, uh, of course, uh, wheat and corn and other foodstuff prices are going up. And also uh, uh, the sanctions and things of this nature because of the war, uh, that's also turned the oil and the natural gas prices upside down. And uh, so those are things that are impacting our inflation, even though there are things that are happening outside the U.S., basically because food and energy are basically uh, global commodities, and there's really nothing that the uh, Federal Reserve can do uh, directly that's going to affect those. The other thing that's happening outside our economy that impacts us is this uh, uh, Chinese shutdown of their cities due to this COVID, where they've got this zero tolerance uh, policy, and they basically, if they uh, <clears throat> if they detect uh, COVID in a community, they shut it down, and and uh, so far they've shut down uh, uh, the Shenzhen, which is basically the onshore. Uh, uh, extension of Hong Kong, and now they've shut down Shanghai, and uh, which is a place where there are a lot of uh, the financial institutions in China are, as well as the uh, the uh, manufacturing capabilities of China are. So uh, both of those things are causing disruptions in the supply chain, not only within China itself but also in other places uh, like us and, and uh, other co countries, Japan and Korea, that depend and Europe that depend upon China for parts. So we've got a situation, we get situations in the United States where uh, if you've got a construction project, uh, it can't be completed because, well, because we don't have uh, faucets and things of this nature. And, and uh, they're being delayed for several months. So, uh, you know, all sorts of manufacturing in the United States is being disrupted. And those things add to the inflation. So, you know, what's going to happen is that um, the Federal Reserve is going to have its hands full. The Federal Reserve is going to move forward and uh, do their plan uh just as they've outlined it, and uh, um, basically we'll see what that does to inflation, but we have to be mindful that there are other things uh, that they don't control uh, that are adding to our inflation, too. Uh, what happens when 
uh, when they get to that point where they bring down the demand a little bit and they've got the uh, bring down inflation a little bit, but they can't get it down because of these other demands, other exterior uh, issues, then we'll see what happens then. This week, the Department of Labor reported uh, very extensively on inflation in terms of uh, uh, they, you know, they put out the Consumer Price Index, uh, those numbers, and we'll talk about that later in the show. And uh, uh, the top-level view of that is that uh, the year-over-year uh, inflation number for the uh, CPI went down from 8.5% over the 12 months ending in April to uh, ending in March to 8.3% for the 12 months ending in uh, April. Uh, and they went on and, and the... Uh, they reported on the producer price index, which is basically the cost uh, increases for those companies that interface with the uh, supply, in the interface with the distributors and things of this nature. This is basically a factory gate uh, inflation number. And those numbers are, uh, they came down a little bit, but not enough to worry about. The producer price index for the, over the last 12 months for April was 11.0%. And then <clears throat> looking at another source of inflation, what we can do is look at import prices. Import prices from uh, uh, April, uh, they came in at uh, imports are typically up uh, 12% over the last uh, 12 months and uh, 0% over. Uh, uh, from March to April. So all of those things are saying that uh, basically uh, inflation is uh, well and thriving, and uh, uh, that's impacting our stock market in terms of concerns about what that's going to do to corporate earnings um, and also uh, uh, household uh, income. So, uh, in the big picture, uh, there are there are issues out there and unknowns, and this is basically what you're seeing in the stock market right now, uh, in terms as to how this whole thing is going to play out over the next uh, six months or nine months or however long it takes to play out. That being what it is, if, if we look into the future and your crystal ball is as good as mine. Uh, I do know that the Federal Reserve does have enough tools in their toolbox to be able to uh, keep the, uh, the economy rolling, even in terms of uh, not causing a recession. So if you take a look at that, uh, that's one thing. And if you take a look at the, at the, in the big picture, that's the macro picture. The micro picture is what we're doing in terms of meeting our goals. And our goals are basically uh, retirement, uh, well, depending upon where we're at in life. It's uh, uh, getting married, it's starting a family, it's buying a house, it's educating the children, it's uh, <clears throat> uh, 
moving to another house, each retiring. All those things are, are basically goals that we look at and we say, okay, uh, what will it take to meet those goals? We know uh, where in the future uh, we're going to need, and when in the future we're going to need the, uh, the money uh, for those goals. And basically the question is, where is it going to come from? And the answer to that is we have assets now and we have uh, resources coming in in terms of our uh, incomes, in terms of work, uh, in terms of bonuses, in terms of maybe we have rental incomes and stuff like that. Uh, the important thing is to just uh, align these things and commit certain portions of the incomes that are coming in uh, to the future. and utilize uh, uh, mutual funds or ETFs or however you want to think about it in terms of buckets uh, to be able to capture those the income sources and uh, meet our goals. We have certain goals in terms of keeping up our standard of living. We have savings plans in terms of being able to uh, harvest that income and put it into places. We have investment plans in terms of, okay, uh, what do we do now in terms of putting it into different uh, uh, sources of investing and then making sure that we stay on top of those uh, investments uh, to make sure that they're, they're operating properly and then making uh, uh, revisions to that plan as necessary in, in any step along the line, either the allocation of the income uh, or the uh, uh, the investment uh, processes, or even into the process, even into the investments themselves, to make sure that we get the returns necessary uh, to fulfill our goals in the future. So. Uh, that's part of the micro plan, and uh, that's basically, you know, what we do uh, is basically put those plans together for people and uh, help them in terms of getting from where they are right now to where they want to go in the future. And in the future is basically uh, to have a secure and uh, uh, secure and, and good retirement, even when you're 95 years old. So uh, the secret is the planning, the commitment, uh, uh, laying it out, and uh, sticking with it, uh, and realizing that, uh, you know, even with regard to this inflation situation, uh, we've been through bouts of inflation before, and uh, we've been through recessions before, too, and uh, uh, we... Uh, hesitant going into them, but we know we're going to come out of it at the other end. So to me, the important thing is to know your goals, uh, know your income, be capable of committing and saving uh, uh, that portions of that income and making it grow in investments to be able to get to the point where you can fund those goals in the future. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Um, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 
Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim Backley. You can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Now, do we have... Hello, Eric. Jim McAleese here. How you doing? Oh, pretty good, Jim. Hello, uh, I had a question. Go I ahead. had a question for you about the real estate market. Yeah. What's going on, and do you think it's going to slow down soon? It seems like it's still crazy. Uh, yeah, it'll slow. Uh, depends upon what you call slow down. Right now, what you're seeing is the interest rates are, I think, for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage are somewhere around five and a quarter percent. Uh, that's a big step up from basically three percent that it was about a year ago, and at that time. Uh, we saw inflation. We saw uh, housing prices going up and up and up. The housing prices right now are getting to the point where, uh, nationally, not so much. I don't think that's so much in the Cleveland area, but nationally, they're really getting super high. So, in the Cleveland area, I think we still have room to grow. Uh, I think the 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 people that uh, I think you, part of your question is, where are we going? Are we going into a, a dip or anything like that? I don't think so. I think uh, there's still a lot of buyers out there who have cash, okay. uh, who will buy, and you have uh, uh, companies that are getting into the uh, house buying mode, the idea being that we'll buy property and then rent them. So that's another uh, demand on the housing market. And uh, uh, there's still a lot of people who look at it in terms of saying, okay, uh, is five and a quarter percent too high? Hell, I've got clients that have seen uh, 12% 
you know, for a 30 year mortgage. So I don't, I personally don't think the, the, uh, uh, the, the sales will certainly slow down, but I don't think you're going to see any, uh, uh, dip in the, uh, home prices, nor do I think you're going to, uh, uh, be able to see any real bargains out there. The price increases and the sales will slow down, but they'll still move forward. What do you think? What do you see, Eric? Hello. Uh, well, I've, I've been, yes, I've been looking, and um, they're going in one day. Like I'll look at something, see something in the morning online, and by the time I contact the realtor, it's sold. So. Um, mm-hmm. I was just wondering if well, I should is, wait. So, uh, should you wait? If you do wait, uh, it, it, you, you got a good question there, Eric. What you can see right now is that the prices are going up. The question is, how much are the prices going up over, let's say, the next? Uh, uh, six months to a year. And uh, uh, I think they'll flatten out and uh, uh, the price increases will certainly slow down. Uh, to me, uh, this idea of, of uh, uh, houses moving and bidding wars, uh, the only people that are really pushing that, I think, right now are basically the people with cash. So... Uh, I think things over a, a six-month period or a year period, I think uh, uh, you'll get in that you'll get out of that bidding uh, uh, war type uh, environment and into a more stable environment. Okay. Okay. All right. Here's a question. Thank you. <laughs> I wish Thank I you. Could, I wish I wish I could uh, predict the future for you, but uh, you know it's a uh, uh, that's a that's a losing game trying to predict the future. So you take care. Well, yeah, bye bye. I don't think they're going to come down either. Thank you. All right, bye bye. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get This Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Hi, Jim. It's Colleen. Yes, Colleen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, wonderful. Monica gave us a call while you were talking to Eric and did not want to be on the air. So I said I would gladly ask her question, and she's got a great one. Um, when you have to take a required minimum distribution, she wants to know what rules does she need to follow, such as how much does she need to take out and when? Okay. It's very simple. You know, the, the uh, uh, people ask about this all the time, and people think that, ooh, there must be something complex here, but... Uh, 
They're called the required minimum distributions, RMDs for short. And they're basically the, the government's way of getting their money back. Uh, in other words, they, they instituted these um, uh, retirement plans and the, uh, the 401ks and the IRAs, the 403bs, and all the other things. And these were money that was to be set aside for retirement. And, uh, uh, but the, and the government didn't tax you when you put your money in, so the government wants uh, to tax you uh, uh, as you get older and draw, start drawing the money out. Now, uh, they have uh, uh, the required minimum distributions apply to 401ks, 403bs, traditional IRAs, retirement accounts, solo 401k, steps, simple IRAs, just about everything that you can imagine. Uh, the, the, uh, the only thing that you don't have to draw the required minimum distributions out is your uh, your Roth IRA, even though you do have, if you have a, a Roth 401k, you do have to take uh, required minimum distributions out of your uh, uh, Roth 401k, but you don't pay taxes on it because you pay taxes on those Roths already. But uh, the the idea here is that uh, uh, the uh, the process of calculating your required minimum distribution is fairly simple. Uh, it basically involves taking a look at the retirement account balance at the end of the previous year. And then looking up a uh, a number out of what they call a life expectancy table, and uh, uh, that number is divided into the account balance at the end of the previous year. So, uh, in the case of uh, let's say you're when you get to be 72 years old. Uh, the number is somewhere around 25. You look it up in the in the lookup table, and it's age 72. The number in the lookup table is uh, 25. So you divide your balance at the end of the previous year in your retirement fund by around 25, and you'll get a number like uh, uh, that. That will be your required minimum distribution, and that will represent about close to 4% of your uh, uh, retirement account. So when you become 72, sometimes during that year that you get your 72, or in the case of uh, uh, for the first year, they allow you to, uh, they don't require you to take it out that particular year. They'll give you to, I think it's April 1st or April 15th of the following year. And uh, so uh, you have to take it out. It'll be about 4%. Uh, your financial institution, whether it's a bank, an insurance company, or a mutual fund, they're going to ask you, do you want to set aside any withholding for federal taxes or local taxes? And you tell them uh, how much you want set aside. And then you take the the remainder, let's say you set aside 15% for taxes, and then you get the other 85%. And the question is, what do you want to do with it? 
and all these financial institutions, they have uh, processes by which uh, they they can go through this process. And once you come up with uh, what sending money off to the government, then the rest of it, the other eighty-five percent, is yours. You want to reinvest that into a non-retirement account, or do you want the check sent to your house, or do you want it, uh, the check uh, input into your uh, to your uh, savings account? So it is reasonably straight and uh, straightforward. Uh, once you get to that point, people will guide you through it. And in fact, if you if you look at the uh, lookup tables, what you'll see is that at age 72, that's the first year you have to do this, you'll be taking out approximately 4%. When you get to be about, this, these percentages increase as time goes on. And by the time you get to be 85, that 4% will have risen to about uh, uh, close to 7%. And by the time you get to be 95, it'll be up close to 11%. And you get to be 100 years old, uh, you'll be have to take out about 15 or 16%. And then the, the, the table actually goes up to 120. And at 120, you got to take out 50% of, of your uh, money that's in your retirement account and pay your taxes on it. So. There's just uh, the idea here is that you, you take your money out, uh, you pay your taxes on it. It's the government's way of uh, of uh, making sure that they get their money for you. Uh, if there is exceptions, for instance, if you're still working for the same company at 72 uh, and you don't own the company then you don't have to take your required minimum distribution out of that company and uh, out of that 401k. Uh, you might have other 401ks uh, from previous companies. You do have to take your required minimum distributions out of those. But as long as you're working for the, for the same company uh, and that you have your 401k for, uh, you don't have to take it out of that particular 401k. And there's there's other exceptions to it too, but that's the general general process. I would I would just talk to the uh, uh, to get the best deal. Talk to the financial uh, institution that has your money, and they'll walk you through it. Uh, every financial institution has it, and it's no problem at all to go through this. So. Uh, I hope that answers your question, Monica. If if not, just give us a call. Call back and we'll talk through it. This is Jim McAlee. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, concerns just about everybody right now is this inflation. And uh, all of us have been watching prices go up. And we noticed the food and the gasoline uh, immediately because those are things that we're buying all the time. And uh, the uh, Department of Labor, uh, they put out their report every month, and they talk about uh, consumer price index and how much has moved up that particular month. And what we're seeing is that for April, the uh, uh, consumer price index uh, rose uh, three-tenths of a percent from uh, March to April, and also uh, 8.3% from uh, April uh, 12 months, the 12 months ending in April. And then if you take the, uh, yeah, that that number includes both food and fuel, which are big contributors to inflation right now. And if we strip out food and fuel, we end up with what they call the core uh, consumer price index. And the core consumer price index has gone up six-tenths of 1% uh, in April from March and also gone up 6.2% in the 12 months ending in uh, April. And uh, uh, where where is the inflation coming from? It's coming from just about everywhere. Uh, the, the gasoline prices, uh, for instance, like uh, uh, I take a look at Fuel oil, which is basically uh, heating oil or diesel, uh, it's gone up 80% in the last year, and it's gone up 2.7% in April. If I take a look at gasoline, uh, gasoline has gone up 43%, 43.6% in the last uh, 12 months, and uh, it, uh, it came down 6.1%. In April, only because it had gone up 48% uh, the previous month. So, electricity up seven tenths of one percent in April. Uh, natural gas uh, gone up 3.1%. And just to give you an idea how much those prices changed over the last year, electricity has gone up 11% in the last year and. Natural gas has gone up uh, 22.7%. And we said the other big numbers here are uh, uh, new vehicles. Uh, new vehicles basically went up 1.1% uh, in uh, new auto vehicles, went up 1.1% in April. And they've basically gone up 13.2% uh, over the last 12 months. Uh, used vehicles came down a little bit, came down four tenths of a percent in April, and they've come up uh, 22.7 percent over the last uh, 12 months. If I would look back, what they were doing last month, used vehicles had gone up uh, 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 35 percent. So, uh, to me, you're seeing huge numbers. And one thing that impacts us the, the, the most is basically food. 
And if you take a look at uh, food prices, uh, food prices increased uh, nine-tenths of 1% in April, and food has gone up basically 9.4% over the last 12 months. Uh, if you take a look at the food for home uh, that we consume at home, it's gone up 1% in April, and it's gone up close to 11% over the last 12 months. So, and the the biggest number in the food is basically in uh, uh, dairy products in April. Dairy products went up 2.5% in April, and they've gone up something like 9% over the last 12 months. But the uh, the one that we usually uh, notice is the meat and poultry and egg. Uh, uh, they went up 1.4% in April from March. And they've gone up 14.3% over the last 12 months. So you see big increases in food. Food's gone up uh, nine, basically figure about 1% in one month and 9.4% over the last 12 months. Uh, gasoline has gone down a little bit, down 6.1%, but has gone come up 43% in the last year, and uh, uh, new vehicles and things of this nature. The other the other jump is uh, airline tickets. Airline tickets went up 18.6% in uh, April. That uh, indicates that people are getting out and about now, and it's gone up 38% in the last uh, uh, 12 months. Another thing they start to see is uh, Eric called earlier in the show and asked about home prices. And what we're seeing in home prices, it is starting to, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's tending to uh, push up prices too because there's a, there's a part of the CPI, the basket of uh, goods and services, that includes shelter. And it's a pretty big part too. It encompasses about 33% of the, uh, the basket. And uh, basically what we're seeing there is that uh, uh, shelter has gone up a half a percent in uh, uh, April after going up 5.1% uh, over the last uh, 12 months. So uh, prices are going up. Uh, the uh, uh, things that are going up the fastest are food and fuel, uh, but even uh, even if we take food and fuel out, we still have other things like uh, uh, shelter, uh, which is going up uh, dramatically, and we also have uh, uh, incidentals like uh, airline tickets and things of, things of this nature. So uh, food and fuel are basically uh, uh, being driven by you know, the exterior, such as uh, what's going on in the uh, world in terms of the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, as well as uh, that infects both food and uh, fuel. And the other part is what's happening in, uh, in China uh, because of their slowdowns. Uh, when we get to uh, uh, the... the, uh, the uh, how the companies, how the manufacturing companies are doing, 
Uh, what we do is take a look at the Institute of Supply Management and their manufacturing index, and that shows that the uh, the numbers have gone up for uh, for uh, April, uh, which means that they're still growing strongly. But I'll give you some of the comments that people that the the Institute of Supply Management talks to managers in the manufacturing industry, and they want their input as as to how this month, how April compared to March, was it better, worse, or about the same? And they take a look at different things like orders, new orders, production, backlogs, prices paid, things of this nature, and ask them for comments. And uh, uh, they mark those all down and grind them through their analysis. But here's some of the comments that people, uh, managers, are making in the manufacturing area. Here's one from uh, uh, chemical products. The Tier 2 supplier shutdown in Shanghai uh, are causing ripple effects in our suppliers in other parts of China. Long delays at ports, including in the U.S., are still providing supply challenges. Inflation is out of control. Fuel costs and therefore freight costs are leading the upward cycle. At some point, the economy must give way. It will be tough to have real growth with such pressures on costs. Despite the issues and poor outlook, business remains brisk. So what you're seeing there is that the businesses are fighting their way through all these delays. Here's one from the transportation equipment company companies, which would be the autos or the uh, uh, guys like uh, uh, Cat uh, Caterpillar and things of this nature. Uh, here's their comment. Quote, continued strong demand with improvements in the supply chain. Delays still exist, but the supply issues are slowly improving. Uh, cost increases in multiple categories. Uh, here's one from uh, machinery. Machinery, new orders, uh, entities uh, are still very strong. Unfortunately, logistics issues have not yet improved, so lead times remain extended. And uh, this is the, uh, who is it, miscellaneous manufacturing, the shutdown in China due to the COVID wave are causing supply concerns at the late second, uh, for the second quarter and early third quarter. We have extended lead times to customers that are ordering uh, products from China to cover demand through the fourth quarter and early first quarter through 2023. So what you're seeing is that uh, the companies are making a mighty effort to get the parts, and but they're still, in, indeed, in doing that, they're still running into these uh, Large price increases, for instance, like for instance, like in uh, uh, producer price index, uh, you're seeing the uh, the uh, producer price index, including food and fuel, was up a half a percent in April 
and up 11% over the last 12 months. Now, if you compare that to the ones for March, you see that in March, the uh, uh, prices for uh, the producers' products went up 1.6% in one month, and they went up 11.5% over the last 12 months. So you look at the consumer numbers, and the consumer numbers are high. You look back farther into the into the uh, production and see who, who their, what their suppliers are seeing, and you're seeing even higher numbers. So uh, another thing we're seeing is that the, uh, uh, the survey of consumers from the University of uh, Michigan, uh, that indicates that this inflation is having a impact on the consumers in terms of how they're viewing their current economic conditions and uh, their expectations for the future. And the only good thing about it is that uh, the median uh, expected expected year end inflation number was 5.4, and that was has been little changed over the last three months. And uh, the uh, the recent one uh, for Past past this uh, uh, short range into the long range is basically three uh, percent. It's what they expect. So this is this is generally, you know, this is just <laughs> let's take a look at the, uh, the the manufacturing from the uh, Standard and Poor Global. Uh, Standard Poor Global indicates that hey the uh, Manufacturers are still um, going strong, and uh, here's, here's some comments from their uh, chief business economist, and quote, after a, after a slow start to the year, which saw production's grow, growth almost stall, the manufacturing se- sector is starting uh, uh, the second quarter in a much stronger footing. Uh, demand from consumers and businesses is proving and encouraging robust despite severe inflationary pressures, which intensifies further during April. Uh, both input costs and selling price inflation surged higher, and the latter accelerating to a near record rate as firms faced raising energy prices. Uh, ongoing supply-driven price hikes amid strained supply chain and rising uh, wage growth. In short, while the survey data adds to it indications that the pace of economic growth will improve in the second quarter after a lackluster first quarter, uh, the news is that the elevated inflationary pressures show no signs of relenting. So, inflation is here and will be here in the near future. So, this is Jim McElwain. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. We talk about money and financial planning and getting ahead, but that's only part of life. We know that there are more important things in life than money 
And here's a story about value. The other thing tonight. One day, a wealthy father took his son on a trip to the country with a firm purpose to show him how, how poor people can be. They spent a day and a night on the farm of a very poor family. And when they got back from their trip, the father asked his son, how was the trip? Very good, Dad, the boy responded. Did you see how poor people can be? The father asked. Yes. And what did you learn? The son answered, I saw that we have a dog at home, and they have four. And we have a pool that reaches to the middle of the garden, and they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lamps in the garden, and they have the stars. Our patio reaches to the front yard, and they have the whole horizon. When the little boy was finished, the father was speechless. His son added, thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we are. Isn't it true that all depends upon the way you look at things? If you have love, friends, family, health, good, good humor, and a positive attitude towards life, you have everything. You can't buy any of these things. You may have all the material possessions you can imagine. But if you're poor spirit, you have nothing. So this week, let's take the time to appreciate the things we have in life. And then until we meet again next week, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.